0: you already call yourself a cocktail fan? Then I'll take it for granted that my two guests are already known to you. If not, I am proud to introduce you to the cocktail lovers. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time. Who are the cocktail lovers? Just the industry icons, who launched the award-winning The Cocktail Lover's Magazine 11 years ago. Individually, they are Sandra Lawrence and Gary Sharpen. They've been listed on the London Evening Standards, The Progress, 1,000 of London's most influential people, the Bar World Top 100 people in the drinks industry, and too many other lists to list here. They are also my friends. And finally, after ages of trying we were able to schedule a moment to sit down and have a chat. It's so good to have you guys on the show. I'm so excited.
1: Yes, it's been a long time.
0: it? (laughs) It, It has. It absolutely has. And what's funny is I just did a survey. And I asked people what they wanted from the podcast, from the site, everything. And number one was more industry icons. Oh. And so you... Oh. Couldn't be more industry icons, and I'm not just saying that to make you feel good. No, you are totally industry awesome. icons. So I'll we'll take that. Thank
1: you. <laughs>
0: so I am so honored to have you. So thank you very much for being here. Now, what really, really interests me is how people got where they did in this industry. So I know a lot of people just ask you about the magazine, but we're going to go all the way back <laughs> to what drew you into this inter- industry, both separately and together. Okay. So why don't we start with the lady? Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, and all of that stuff.
1: About Life BC, as in Life Before Cocktails. (laughs) life,
0: I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was Life Before Cocktails. Um, I grew up in London, as did Gary, which you'll find out. But actually, quite funnily enough, and we didn't know this, we grew up three streets away from each other. It was meant to be. And um, so we didn't know each other at the time. We, we met a lot later, we'll get onto that. But we're both born and bred Londoners. Not many of us left,
2: actually. No, yeah. <laughs> <A> rare breed.
1: <laughs> and um, that was in East London. I always knew I wanted to write, um, I didn't know what but I knew that I wanted to write. So I I used to make little magazines at school. I used to draw things. I used to print them off these funny little Bandex machines and get people drawn in. So that was always a magazine style was always there. But I I came into magazines when I left school uh, a lot later, actually. I did lots of different things from working with music, working in film, working in fashion, doing a bit of singing and, then got into the, the journalism first of all just by writing off to publications and sort of trying to find a little way in there for myself. I started off with beauty journalism because it was kind of easier in a way. I figured that people would tell you things, you'd get set be sent products and and, and whatnot. So that's how I got into it, then moved on to fashion, and I've done theatre and all kinds of. Journalism, but the cocktail side of it actually came when I met Gary when we started dating, and uh, Gary was very much into cocktails. So he used to take our dates he used to be in cocktail bars. He was trying to impress me, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it worked. And um, we we I, I really got into cocktails. Mainly also at the beginning through the people, I loved the the people behind the bars because before then I was interviewing a lot of of chefs who at that time, it wasn't very much about TV personality chefs. The chefs loved being in the kitchen. They didn't really like talking about food. They, They saw themselves at the back and the food was what spoke them, whereas the bartenders were very different. They were at the front and they loved talking about their drinks. And if they saw that you had an inkling of interest in what they were about or what the drink was about, they were so enthusiastic and really wanted to draw you in to their world so that's what started me becoming interested in cocktails and actually i started in the magazine that was working at, at the time i started writing more about cocktails and sort of slotting them into into the magazine and and then we started blog basically just because we wanted to do something together and share
0: our passion Okay, before that, before we get to you, Gary, one question about the magazines. When you were young, were there specific magazines that you loved and you thought, oh, one day I want to write for that?
1: Not really. I, I think I had a vision of the magazines I wanted. It was very, it was kind of, not not girly, it was very teeny magazine. So in, in the same way that we do The Cocktail Lovers, there were lots of different segments. So there, was, there were stories, there were out and about things, there were interviews made up a lot of the time that I pretended mm-hmm. that i would met such and such or whatever but it always had a, a very commercial magazine format in my mind and I would draw the pictures some of them I'd draw the pictures sometimes I'd cut out pictures from somewhere else and mock up my own little layout. I loved it. I was a real, <laughs> I used to do all kinds of entrepreneurial things as a child, including <laughs> making sandwiches for teachers and selling them
0: to them, that kind of thing. Oh, so I love selling them to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Not just giving them to them, <laughs> <but> selling them.
1: <laughs> so that was um, the magazines. I always, I loved that kind of talking to people through Words on paper. Put it that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Little did you know that you were really creating, as a child, the magazine that you would have as an adult. You know,
1: but in a funny kind of way, I think I knew that it would lead to that. I knew that that would happen. I didn't know how it would happen, but it was something that I very strongly believed was where I would be.
0: Fabulous. All right, now Gary, let's hear you <laughs> on on. Three streets away. What were you doing?
2: Well, I like Sandra, you know, I grew up in East London and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, other than I all I knew I loved writing and drawing and being creative. So I ended up leaving London to go to art school where I studied art and design. And even when I graduated I still didn't know what I wanted to do and I fell into advertising. And uh, as so often happens, I had sort of a knack for advertising and I ended up spending quite a few years in that world. I worked for some great agencies like Leah Burnett, Ogilvy & Mather, Saatchi & Saatchi, and I became a creative director and then I ended up um, launching and heading up my own agency for about four years. And I absolutely adored working in advertising as a creative because you could just go off on these bonkers <laughs> ideas and... Make things up. <laughs> make things up and get get these wonderful clients that we had to 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 pay for your dreams and make commercials and all sorts of crazy stuff. So I absolutely loved working in advertising and had no intention to leave it. And, um, and I, was, I was pretty successful, I'm glad to say, at advertising. And, um, and then I met Sandra 19 years ago. Can you believe 19 no. years ago? <laughs> um, and we, we got together. I, I um, schmoozed her.
0: Tell, um, tell, tell her how we met. Well,
2: oh yes, how we met. Yeah, that was
0: definitely on my mind. It was oh, coming.
2: Okay, the way we met was early one morning, I, I was going off to what should have been a, a meeting. So I was taking a different route from where I live to the station. And I saw Sandra in the street and uh, she looked very elegant and bearing in mind, this is early in the morning. Everyone's going to work. Very elegant, very graceful, very, had a nice aura about her. And I just completely forgot I was supposed to be going to a meeting, turned around and introduced myself to her. (laughs) And, and And the first thing I said, because she was very stylish, and this is no word of a lie, I said, I looked, I said, excuse me, and she stopped. She didn't say anything. And I said, do you speak English? Because I thought, because she was so stylish, and this is absolutely true, I thought she was going to be French. (laughs) True. (laughs) So, and then she said, of course. I said, do you speak English? She said, of course I do, mate. Uh, No, she didn't say that. She said a a, a little. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, we got chatting. We spoke on the phone a few times before we actually went on the date. Oh my
0: goodness. Wait, 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 wait. You got to stop there. So you, this guy comes up to you on the street and says, you know, do you speak English? And you're like, yeah, mate, I do. But you obviously saw something in him because just two seconds later, you're talking on the phone.
1: I was intrigued because, and it depends on the mood that you are. Now, if it had been another day, I may not have stopped. I may not have been in the right mood. I might have thought, just get out of my way. But actually, there was something, it wasn't creepy, put it that way. The, the, the way people approach you can make a huge difference to whether you stop and interact or not. And the fact that he was quite shy is he very hesitant about it, but also very polite. So, And it was first thing in the morning, and I've just come back from the gym and I was feeling quite good about myself. <laughs> so I think, you know, all of these factors come into play. And it wasn't... Um, as I say, it was it was the way that he approached. It, it was very excuse me, very gentlemanly, nice. and so of course I stopped and had a little conversation. We just had a, a five minute conversation, yeah. I think, and then exchanged cards because mm-hmm. that's what you do. That's what gentlemen, and uh, gentlemen, do. gentlemen and <laughs> ladies, or ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, and then that was it. So And then I think we
2: had a call or something. Yeah, we, we spoke on the phone a few times. Mm. And we didn't actually meet up, I don't think, for another couple of weeks or mm. something because we were both busy and stuff. And then we went out and we got to know each other. And then the remarkable thing was <laughs> we were chatting and i was trying to be like clever and so you know i can tell you're from london from your accent <laughs> and then i thought i'll be really clever and say try and pinpoint like sherlock holmes uh, what part of london and i got it completely wrong and then she said well actually i'm from somewhere called forest gate and i said oh i'm from somewhere called Manor Park, which is like two little hamlets that are uh-huh. near each other in east london and then we we started talking and pinned it down and then it was like what school did you go to and then we realized we went to the same school the same junior school, at the same time. I was in the fourth year. Sandra was in the first year. So I would have been a prefect and probably told her off for running. And, uh, <laughs> yes. But we were literally sitting in the same assembly at school when we, when we were little kids and we didn't know.
0: That is, that's insane. That's insane. Now, yeah. before we get to the first cocktail, just one thing about your childhoods. Did your family drink? Having a cocktail at five or wine at the table was that around or part of your life your culture before meeting each other
1: (laughs) cocktails no but um coming from a west indian family drinks are very very much part of culture and growing up and being with friends and family so my parents would they had a bar in the house (laughs) which was very much those old-fashioned almost looked like a ship front you know those kind of bars and there was always there was always some rum there was always some white rum from the Caribbean that somebody had probably snugg- smuggled back in their suitcase then there would be other whiskies and things like that they always it was about hospitality mm. and I would say that my parents were very much like that People would turn up unannounced there'd always be drinks there'd always be food and and as for children us growing up we were around drinks and my grandma, who I used to spend a lot of time with actually, she always used to give all of us kids some whiskey with orange squash in it. So.
0: (laughs) I love that grandma. (laughs) You know, my grandmother was a drinker too, that way as well. (laughs) It's funny. Yes, we love our grandmothers who drink. Yes, indeed, (laughs) indeed. (laughs) Yeah, oh, what are yeah.
2: I, for me, I mean, at home, not really apart from sort of Christmas and one or two special occasions, we didn't really drink much at home. But for me, where I found my love of cocktails was, was quite extraordinary, I think, because when I was a child and I'm talking about like when I was like 10 or 11, I lived in a fantasy world. And I, you know, I used to love and still do. I loved old Hollywood movies. I loved old kind of TV. And the reason for that, I kind of saw these guys who dressed really well. They always had great suits. They went to these clubs with names like the Blue Parrot or the the Hidden Lagoon.
0: Or El Morocco. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly.
2: And so I'm talking about people like Cary Grant, Humphrey Bogart um, in in England, uh, John Steed in the Avengers. And these guys they wore these great suits. And they would go to these places with these wonderful women on their arm. And then they would drink cocktails. So, as a child, I thought, oh, right, when I grow up, I don't know what I'm going to do for a living, but I'm going to be like them. <laughs> I'm going to drink cocktails. I'm going to go to exotic places, wear nice clothes, and hang out with these exotic women and drink cocktails. So, so it, you know, <laughs> and as a kid in the East End, I had no idea that that wasn't supposed to be what you did. And then when I grew up, I just thought, I'm going to become that character. And, um, And I did, when I worked in advertising, it's funny because I was the only creative person who used to wear like suits and ties because I wanted to look like Cary Grant when he worked in advertising. All my peers wore t-shirts and jeans and trainers, but it gave me a standout. And also when I got my first proper paycheck uh, job and I thought, wow, I've actually got some money for once in my life and I actually went to Because at this period, I'm talking in the 80s, the, the bar scene in London was pretty thin, apart from Dick Brattle, but they, even he wasn't on the scene then. So I literally took myself off to the American bar at the Savoy on my own and went in there and ordered a martini. <laughs> and I, and in, in my mind, I thought, well, have you at, at, l- martini? at last I've arrived <laughs> in the life I want. I'm wearing a suit sitting in the Savoy drinking a martini.
0: When you saw the the TV show Mad Men, you must have thought, okay, Even though that's in the you know the the late fifties, early sixties. Oh my god, this is my life. Well, by then, some of it, obviously, I left
2: advertising by then. But I thought, my god, they've just ripped me off and (laughs) taken my life story and said it in America when we we all know that Don Draper was actually Gary Sharp and living in London. (laughs) So I'm still waiting for my royalty for that show.
0: Um, Yes, and you answered my question about what was you know the first cocktail experience. You said the Savoy. It was the '80s. What other bars were you were you exploring oh, we, then, or, or drinking in then?
2: Well, it's funny because I think Sandra and I again we, we would, have crossed, we, we would have crossed paths without knowing. But in the early to mid '80s, the co- there was a little bit of a cocktail revival. There going was a on.
1: scene. It there wasn't was necessarily sc- about great cocktails. No. There were certain places. So at this stage, I was you working to- with a photographer. So, um, so we used to go to Zanzibar. And, oh, I used to go to the Zanzibar, and yeah. and also there were the places. Was it Coconut Grove yeah, there was and Coke- Pepperm- Peppermint Park? Yeah, the, the in- names are great. <laughs> They're aren't fabulous. They? I, I
2: just wish I could go back to Coconut Grove <laughs> because it was it was um, it was like you expected to see kid Creole walk in. It was that kind of place. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all the drinks they were those drinks then with lots of cream. Uh, slow, comfortable, screw up against the wall. or those frozen kind of daiquiris, yeah, you know, and, right. and they
1: were great. Mm. <laughs> but it, it was also it was very much a scene. So it was about going out, being seen, being young people having fun in these glamorous places, you mm. know. So yeah. actually, it's still the same. It's just yeah. different places and much better drinks, you know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: and then your worlds collided, and. Uh-huh. um you must remember the first cocktail you had together. Please tell me you do.
2: No, I probably would have ordered a martini because it's it's my go-to drink even now. But I Sorry, think,
0: I meant the first cocktail place at least.
1: Oh, the cocktail place.
0: Mm. Um, oh, gosh. The, oh,
1: there, I tell you, it, it, was it was at the Trafalgar.
2: The Trafalgar. Yeah. At Rock, we used Rockwell, Rockwell at, at the, the Trafalgar. Trafalgar.
1: We used to go there quite a lot. It was a really good spot at mm. the time. And I remember there was a lovely bartender there, and actually, he David. got me, David, and yeah. he got me into writing about cocktails. I must say, because there was, he was the person that actually made the whole cocktail experience something that I thought, "Wow, this is great. This guy really loves his stuff. He really wants you to understand what he's doing. He really cares about you." Would go and sit in front of the bar. And he'd bring different ingredients that he was working he on. Us, he wanted us to try out things because yeah. he could see how much we loved what he was doing. Mm. Yeah. So my go-to cocktail there at that time was the, um, the vanilla, vanilla, vanilla martini. martini. Yeah. But he made yeah. them really well. And it was a great introduction to into the, the cocktail thing. My first proper martini was, um, no, my first good proper martini was the Jukes but that that came a couple Mm. of years later
0: so so him talking to you about the drink when you went back to the the or i'm sorry in fact this may not even be but i was thinking maybe when you went back to the magazine or you had this idea Ooh, i could write about cocktails this could be a thing did you just start writing and then pitch to someone or were you writing a magazine and brought that idea to them and was the reaction i I was
1: working at a magazine called where london so there's lots of where new york's where paris where everywhere and um so i was editing a magazine there and i started bringing in cocktails much more into the magazine through that i got you to write some things and we were doing bits and then from there we started doing the blog but at the same point. I wanted to write about cocktails on a much wider scale. I wanted people to appreciate what I was appreciating with all these great bartenders that were making these brilliant drinks and really, really cared about what they were doing. So I pitched some ideas as a freelancer, to magazines and none of the magazines at that time actually really wanted to talk about cocktails yeah because it was you were either in the trade and the consumer magazines did not cover cover drinks really only wine and so just got kept being rejected 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 and that's why we started Mm. the magazine in the end because we wanted a magazine that was very much consumer focused and was speaking to people like us that liked a bit about drinks, didn't know too much about them, wanted to know more, who are the people to see, where should I go? And and also not patronize people. You mm-hmm. know, it's like we don't go in for the whole tasting thing, you know, we just know whether we like it or whether we don't, you know, and and that's what we we wanted yeah. to do. So the best thing that ever happened was that at the time, people didn't want to publish these things that I wanted to write mm. about, drips. Yeah, And
0: with the blog, you started it 2008, right? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, it was. And we, we were with, both working Yeah, so. we, we did the blog for about two years while we still had... Uh, Full time jobs, and it was. And when we started it, it, you know, it's like, Oh, we'll just do a post every weekend and it'll take a couple of hours. And then over the next two years, because we got into it so much and we were getting some really good feedback from different people. It suddenly took over like our whole weekend (laughs) and we were writing in the email. Tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But in a way that we thought, wow, this is A, we were enjoying it and B, we thought, Well, there's there's something Mm. here that we've tapped into.
0: Well, yes, especially in two thousand eight. Yeah. Because there weren't that many number one blogs you know, I think there was like blogger and there wasn't, you know, WordPress and all these things came slightly later Mm. because I started blogging around 2010. Mm. And so you were super, super early with even thinking of starting a blog. Yeah.
1: And it was the thing that um, at the time we were doing lots of research and trying to find out like-minded people, in a way, but most of the blogging and and writing about things, it was all happening in the states. There wasn't really yeah, that much. There was a lot of good stuff going in the states, yeah. you know. And they were all forums as well, weren't yeah. they? You can you remember? Yeah. They were super geeky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. but um, it was it was quite an interesting time. There were some bloggers. I hate saying bloggers because it always sounds sort of demeaning and it isn't. Well,
0: writers online writers online yeah. writers yeah. yeah
1: there were a few that was probably about 2010 when um gin monkey yeah. and yeah. Alotta, Alotta. Right. Yeah, yeah. lots of different people so you'd sort of see the same people on the circuit but still it was very tight i would yeah, say yeah and then and then we Made the decision to do a magazine. God knows where that came from, or why big, we even. Wait, wait, wait. We
0: did. How can you say that God knows where that came from? I know, do you know what I mean? Yes.
2: We we did. It's the worst business plan ever. We did zero market research.
0: You were born <laughs> we're, to do this magazine.
2: We're, we're both creative people, so we had no business sense whatsoever. <laughs> and we just said, Lee, hey, let's launch the magazine that we want to read.
1: Yeah. And gave up our jobs to do it. But I think yeah. sometimes <laughs> ignorance is bliss because mm. we we knew, the, the one thing we did have was passion, and mm. we did know that intrinsically we knew it would work. In the same way... The Gary said you didn't know what you wanted to do when Ooh. you were growing up. You knew you wanted to be drinking cocktails and wearing yeah. suits. I knew I wanted yeah. to, to have a magazine. So somehow we made our dreams come true. Yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, and when you first – I guess you already knew people from your blog. But when you first approached people about them being in the magazine or – you know maybe sponsoring or or advertising in the magazine did you find resistance or were you like or were people like oh yeah yeah finally an outlet for for us
1: a little a bit of both advertising's always tricky it's still tricky to be honest brands <laughs> brands that's a whole different right, podcast exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to to get people involved when we started the blog say we were just doing it we weren't actually looking for contributors right. or anything. We just used to go to bars and write about what we saw. Luckily, part of my job was I was editing this other magazine, Where London, so I could get some review things mm. from that. So we were doing some of the reviews were covered from work. And others we were doing off our own back because there were places that we thought that we should go and we wanted to to uncover them. But once the magazine started, by that time, we'd actually built up a network of people that liked what we did. They liked mm. our writing style because it was very much a lifestyle mm-hmm. writing style. That I don't think there was too much of that no. in, in
2: the drinks community. Yeah. I think the other thing that's worth saying as well on that is when we... First, started as, uh, writing this sort of online sort of piece together, and we we spent ages trying to think what to call it. Oh, yeah. And the reason we came up with the Cocktail Lovers was it was kind of like uh, like two meanings. One, we were we were lovers because we weren't married, but we were lovers, and we loved cocktails. So you know, the Cocktail Lovers. And we thought, oh, that's that's clever. <laughs> so that's what we called ourselves and called what we did. But also, the other important thing about that, we made a very conscious decision when we started writing. Because that time we were writing largely about bars yes. that we visited. And we made this conscious decision that we weren't going to be those smart foodie writers that trash yeah. restaurants. Because we've both always hated that kind of thing of someone who writes a review of a restaurant. And, and bearing in mind, some, the founders of that restaurant may have put two, five years of their life into it, all their savings, and then some smart aleck comes along and trashes it. And we thought, we don't want to do that in the cocktail world. So we're not going to lie. We're not going to say we had a great experience when we had a bad experience. But we're going to be passionate and positive and say, we went to this place. We loved it. Here's why we think you'll love it too. And that ethos, we've stayed with that ever since. So when we did the website, the magazine, now the podcast, whatever else we do, it's all about sharing our love for the cocktail world. So that, going back to Sandra's point and your point, it meant when we did start approaching people, they knew we were positive and passion, passionate. And, and one particular great drinks person said to us years later, he said, I love you interviewing us uh, because you don't try and catch us out with a tricky question to make yourselves look smart. You like to get our side of the story over. And that meant a lot, mm. lot to us.
0: No, no, absolutely. I understand that completely, especially as a journalist myself. Um, you know, my mom always said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah,
1: totally. And we prefer not
0: to, Yeah. I don't see also the a, a reason to trash something if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, take them aside and say, you know, this cold drink, it, it, it was supposed to be a hot drink, but it's cold. Mm-hmm. You no, know, could you fix that or whatever it is? Yeah. And, but never to write about it. So, I no, I completely understand it. Now, in the magazine, you've pretty much, although the world has changed in so many years and it's been 11 years, right? Your first issue was... Yeah. 11 years ago, I saw from the beginning that you always had these sections, the the in sections, in focus, ingredients, a table of contents, all of those. Did you ever want to change it? Did you always say, we love this so much, we're sticking with it? You know, how has the magazine changed over the years? Ah,
1: Now, it's very, very funny that you mentioned that because we're actually changing at the moment. So our next issue is the brand new, new look for the the cocktail lovers so actually the flow of it is very different the there's none of the inns in there so it's really that's quite quite funny that you picked up on that because it's almost like we planted it which we did it was
0: not a planted question i promise
1: <laughs> yeah and, and also i think like any
2: anything that you work on it's always good to keep evolving rather than standing still so if we look back at the 11 years of magazine, the first year it was purely online, and then we did a print one to see that one. The print one evolved. The pagination increased. We went from uh, a stapled magazine to a perfect bound magazine. We went from glossy to, to matte. We, we changed the logo once, and now, as Sandra said, we're going to do another tweak. And I think it's just a case of it's us awesome. always wanting to keep it fresh for ourselves and our readers.
1: And, and also at the beginning, we were very much, it was very London focused because that's where we are and that's what we know. And so when we first launched, particularly when we got into the, the print ones, we were always photographing London bars, la- London bartenders in their bars. And I brought in my fashion side as well, and we'd style them up and do different concepts within the bar but we decided not to do it after a while because it limited us to just London bars. So yes, there's always going to be very much a London voice there because that's what we are and that's where we are, but we like to represent the world of bartending Mm. and bars as well. So there's always elements of different voices from around the world just to let people know What's going on? Who's doing what? And people travel, and they want to know what's going on. So that's very much part of our.
2: That was a key key part of it for us. Like always, having a spotlight on another international city because we felt that, as Sandra said, a lot of people travel. But if you look at travel books, you're you're going to look at here are the restaurants you should go to, here are the galleries, here are the great hotels, etc. But quite often, they, they, they're not great cocktail bar recommendations. So we want to say, let's make sure if you're in Paris, New York, Shanghai, Tokyo, wherever, that we've got we've given you some good recommendations to go to. No,
0: absolutely. And of course, the world seems to be getting smaller. And as people yeah. um, hmm. travel more, definitely people started to travel for a specific restaurant. And now people are yeah. going to a specific bar. Dead Rabbit, you know, all these really, really famous parts. like, well, if I'm New York, I'm definitely going to go there because of the hard work you've put into telling the world about these things. So now, um, going on from that, you have to tell me a little yep. bit about why you decided to get behind the mic now. <laughs> it took a
1: while, actually. A couple of people had asked us if we thought about doing it, and we're like,
0: absolutely
1: not. Why would we want to, want to do that? But actually, it, it came. We did an interview with, the, we we were on Hannah and Michael's yeah. podcast. Yeah, they the on that. Yeah, and they asked us, well, they sent us a thing and so you definitely should do it, blah, blah, blah. And, and then finally, for some reason, the, the penny dropped. And mm. we were like, let's just give it a go. And actually, I love it because writing, you know how difficult writing can be. <laughs> talking, just the two of us talking together and actually having the podcast, which we still have in a magazine-style format. So there's an interview, there are product reviews, there's bar reviews and a book review. Yeah. And and also us just talking about them. And it's a lovely, I love doing, I love doing the podcast, actually. It's a really mm. good thing. Yeah. Also, I like it for a
2: number of reasons. But in a way, it felt to me like we kind of got back to basics about... Mm. You know, that sort of thing of in the magazine, which we love, we can share these great stories. But with the podcast, it took it back to being very personal. And like this is why we fell in love with it in the first place. That's why I like the section on the podcast where we always start by making each other a drink, because that's what we do at home. We Mm. make each other drinks. It's fun. And we just wanted to share, again, share that love, that passion of great cocktails, great fun. Mm.
1: And talking to people. Yeah, you know, and and one of um, our readers, and she's been a a subscriber right from the from the first issue, and she listened to the podcast, but she got in touch, and it it was almost like a backhanded compliment because she was like, "Oh, I listened to your podcast, and I thought you guys were going to be too cool for school, but." Actually, you're just like normal. What did she, she say? say? She <laughs> said, yeah,
2: I thought you were gonna be too cool for school. <laughs> but it turns
1: out like, she said it's like having my two friends sitting
2: in the living yeah. room with me, chatting about what they're up to. In also cocktails. just being nonsense. You know what I mean? Talk, just talking away. Yeah. Exactly. But it was a lovely piece of feedback. We yeah. were really we're proud of it. Well, that.
0: definitely, because you have a magazine and you you talk about everyone else. You don't really talk about yourselves. Mm. So what I find really lovely is that Again, like she said, I hear your voices. I get to know you. Mm, yeah. And that can be really powerful. You've introduced me to so many people. It's so nice to meet you guys. Mm, mm. Yeah,
2: that yeah, means a lot to us. Yeah.
0: And then the people will come back to the magazine and hear your voice. Yeah.
1: In a different way, yeah, in yeah. that way. So, yeah, we love it.
0: absolutely. Now, I don't want to say you've been around the block, but you have been in <laughs> London for a long time. Kind of have, yeah. <laughs> and I was wondering, in all of these years of seeing really the industry grow, what do you think has changed the most, either the writing or or the bars? Obviously, the cocktails you said have gotten better, but what do you what do you see, even with COVID or before COVID or including COVID, has changed either for the better or or not? I, I think it's.
2: I think our timing has been really fortuitous, you know, we've been doing this, as said, since 2008 and during that time I think the thing we've noticed much is how much consumers' knowledge has grown so rapidly and in a really positive way because I think when we started there was still this fear of ordering and that's another reason we did what we did, we wanted to sort of break down those barriers. And you'd go into a a bar and people were a bit scared about what they were ordering and was it going to be a pink drink that made them look silly or whatever. But then fast forward over a few years and now my market research such as it is, I listen to people's conversations in bars and I love it when I hear someone sort of saying to the bartender about what gins do you have? Which they wouldn't have asked that question ten years ago, or they'll sort of say, "Oh, I like my drink this way," and not in a horrible way, in a really like, "Oh yeah, I like I like my dry my I like my martini a little bit sweeter or whatever," you know. And I
1: really like the fact that consumers are more
2: confident, and they're more knowledgeable.
1: Yeah, I think everything's grown up together. I think that bartenders that go into into bar industry now, do it really seriously. Yeah. It is a profession. And I think that that bleeds down to the consumers. So, you know, you've got these great guys and ladies that they go into it because they see something in the same way that we did, that it is a great industry to be in. There's I always say this, that bartending or getting a great cocktail, it's about history, it's about art, it's geography, it's culinary. There's so many things that go into creating the cocktail. And I think that that has fed down to consumers. And also there's a much bigger appreciation for cocktails. As I said, when I tried to pitch um, ideas to to consumer magazines 12 years Mm. ago, they weren't interested. Now. You go into, everywhere has got a cocktail recipe or a cocktail section. Mm. Every interiors magazine has a bar trolley in it or something. It's everywhere. Cocktail culture is everywhere, whether from the way that you dress to the places you go. Every restaurant now has a cocktail menu. That never used to Mm. happen before, you know. So it is very much cocktail culture is part of everyday life now. So that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think is one
2: other thing can I just throw in as well just I think is it's been wonderful in that 10 years to see, as Sandra said, you know, the explosion of the, the craft of the bartender. And with that, the quality of bars available is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you used to be talking about London, New York and a few other capital cities. Now, if you just take the UK, for example, you can go to towns and cities across the UK and you're going to find good cocktail bars in all of them. Likewise, across all the all countries the world, in the yeah. world, all across Europe, Asia. There are so many great bars out there. Mm. It's fantastic.
1: Also, I, I must say that I credit global cocktail competitions as well, because they have elevated the whole bar scene as well by getting countries. Yes, of course, you're always going to get the UK and you know New York bartenders mm. participating, but also bringing in countries like from Africa or lesser known countries but they actually have learned from the bigger bartenders who all connect on social media share their stories share their recipes and everyone's almost at the same level now because of social media Mm -hmm. you know you are able to share ideas and stories and connect and there's so many things that have come into play in this 12 years that we've been writing about cocktails and as Gary said I think the timing has been incredible
0: absolutely yes everything that you said and i i think that you know i really believe that it is one of the best industries to be involved with in any way i've i've done a lot of stuff in my life (laughs) and i said i'll never leave this Mm. because i've never met people who are so supportive of each other and i'm not living in la la land i know there's healthy competition and everyone's vying for the dollar the pound or whatever it is but the the Amount of people who have been supportive to me, starting mm. and to the 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 bartenders themselves, the the bar people themselves, really supporting each other and helping each other to learn or be the best. I've never seen that in any other industry before. Mm. Because yes. I, I, you know, I try and get any young person I know, like, what? Don't you want to go into the drinks industry? It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> so, got it. This is such a tough question, but I was wondering if what you think of, will be the future? Mm. Mm. future? You don't have to answer that if you will. No, I mean, I
1: think that's the beauty. You don't know what the future is. We've seen, it. what's been great is seeing people's resilience and being able to pivot so quickly you know when Mm -hmm. when covid hit that people were still able to to make a a living and to do things and do things really creatively and well so Mm -hmm. having things like bottled cocktails which no one really cared about before but to to actually be able to produce them really really quite quickly but also completely and completely brilliantly you know and canned cocktails that was another one i always used to turn my nose up a little bit but you know we've had some great innovations and and also just different activations so as for the future i don't know because things move so quickly and the people in this industry are so clever and innovative you've got no idea what's going to happen next week let alone you know so (laughs) yeah and i think that's the thing is um
2: because we've been doing what we do for this number of years, I, for me, it's kind of similar to, say, music or fashion. You kind of have enough p- hindsight now to sort of see little cycles. And I think that's interesting for us because we, as Sanjay said, we don't know what's coming next, but we know it's going to be exciting mm-hmm. because there, no one is going to stand still. It's not like, oh, we've all found the ultimate cocktail recipes. There's no more to do. You know, right. You know, there's always, we're getting information, as I'm sure you do, about a new variation on a spirit, not just another gin, you know, always, we're always open to another gin. But, you know, a new type of spirit or a new ingredient or, you know, the rise of the non-alcoholic um, ingredients. So there's always going to be new stuff to look forward to. Mm-hmm.
0: And always new stuff to read about. Indeed. In the
1: Cocktail Lovers magazine. Oh, that, that keeps it really, really good. Right. I remember when we first started, we were like, do you think we'll be able to keep it going? Do you know There's what I mean? Be enough, <laughs> enough content.
0: So my mother once said to me, this podcasting thing, are there going to be enough people for you to interview? <laughs> and I said, Mom, if I just interviewed people from London yeah exactly i've been doing it for the rest of my life so don't worry about content
1: (laughs) So true, Uh, absolutely absolutely and that's what keeps it interesting as well isn't it
0: of course of course everything new and learning so much Mm. and uh, i want to thank you guys so much but before we go i always ask two questions Mm -hmm. i'll ask the easiest first which is do you have any top tips for the home bartender or things that you do at home that make your life easier with cocktails
2: my one is it's going to sound really obvious but we get asked a lot by the people we meet like guests and consumers who pre covid especially they want to learn to make drinks at home and we'd often get asked like what bottles should i buy to start my bar with so our feedback to that was like don't go and buy 10 bottles of spirits because that would cost you a lot of money and some of them you'll hardly ever use so our tip to people was always like think of your favorite spirit category you know which gin or rum cognac whatever then pick your favorite medium level brand within that not too cheap because it's going to be not that good but not too expensive because you're going to play with it and then make a sour So, you know, that's the easiest drink in the world to make at home. You know, sugar syrup, you can make that easy. Use citrus juice, you know, like making lemonade, but more fun. And then just make a a great sour. And that is your first cocktail at home. And then once you've mastered that, the balance, then think, oh, I can try that with a different spirit. Or I can replace the syrup with a liqueur. And then you're often running into making your own cocktails.
1: Fabulous. And I would say you don't have to buy lots of great kit. You know, sometimes people, there are lots of reasons people think that they can't make cocktails. They think they're too complicated, they're too expensive, and they have to buy lots of kit. So we sometimes, when we've done events, we'll use kilner jars just to let people know you can use whatever. Or Mr. Rum Ambassador told us this one. So if you've got a regular water bottle, use that as your shaker instead. It's got your strainer, you've got everything you need in there, and you've already got that piece of equipment. So that's it. Make it simple.
0: Make it simple. Fabulous. Now, the last question is, if you could be anywhere drinking anything right now, where would that be?
1: Well, I was in Paris a couple of days ago, and actually, I'd like to go back and spend a bit more time. It was a lovely feeling there. The energy was great, popped into Little Red Door, and i just love to spend a bit more time going through that menu. It was wonderful.
2: And me, there are so many places I want to go to, back to, but I think I would say I really miss New, New York. York. <laughs> yeah, um, because I, I, I just it feels like you know there's people we know there are so lovely and what I like when you go there yes there are some favorite bars we'll want to go back to but that's that thing you rock up there and you talk to some of your friends and they say oh you've got to go to this place you've got to go to that place and you know like oh but don't don't just stay in Manhattan go to Brooklyn and I just can't wait to get back Mm. there and just see people and go to some lovely bars oh
0: yes I know I understand I haven't been back there for a long time either so Maybe we can meet for a drink. Indeed. Uh, definitely. Drink. Somewhere. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really loved having you. It's been too long. Oh, it's been
1: great. Susan. It's it a lovely talking to you. And I'm glad that we finally,
0: finally did finally. it. Thank you
1: so much. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you
1: so much.
0: Thank you. Thanks so much to Sandra and Gary, the cocktail lovers, for being on the program. If you haven't checked out their podcast yet, you can find it anywhere you find podcasts. It's called the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. If you were listening carefully, you will have already guessed what our Cocktail of the Week is. Our Cocktail of the Week is the Gin Martini. Gary likes his super dry, and Sandra likes it less dry. This recipe is slightly on the wetter side. It's up to you how you like yours. But this is how I make it. I add two and a half ounces or 60 mils of gin to a mixing glass. Then I add a half an ounce or 35 mils of dry vermouth. I add ice and then stir, 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 until chilled and diluted. Then I strain it into a gorgeous martini glass. I love an olive, but purists might say a lemon twist is the way to go. If you have a lemon twist, then express the lemon over the cocktail and add it to the drink. Cheers! You'll find this recipe, more martini recipes, and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll find most of the ingredients in our shop. I hope everyone had a lovely holiday. We are back to go, 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 and heading off to Tenerife next week. Yes, it's work, I promise. So if you live for Lush Life, make sure you head out to the bars and restaurants you love and tell them how much you love them. Theme music for Lush Life is by Steven Shapiro and used with permission. And Lush Life is always and will be forever produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media Productions. Which leads me to say the wise words of Oscar Wilde, All things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Next time, cocktails are going to the dogs. No, the cats. The wild cats. Until that time, bottoms up.